0: When I was about 10 years old, I remember this specific moment that happened. I was watching a movie, and the movie was actually Back to the Future Part 2. I remember that very clearly. And uh, I hadn't seen Back to the Future Part 1. But when, at that age, I, I would watch anything on, on star movies, which is what that uh, the channel was for English movies and I remember watching this movie having no idea what the first part was about not even knowing really that this I'm watching a part two of something I was just flipping channels and this movie was starting and I started watching it and this thing struck me about the movie I mean the plot is amazing and ridiculous and so wonderful and fantastical I remember thinking, how do they do that? How can someone make this up? And it took me a while. I didn't start reading books. Um, I mean, the school, our school would subscribe books to us and tell us to read some books every summer. And I hated that. But I didn't start reading fiction for myself until when I was about 12 or 13 when I... Um, I bought, I think it was 12. Yeah, I, uh, when I saw Fellowship of the Ring, Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, I bought The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, all three in, in one giant paperback book. And I read them. And once I read them, I was blown away even further by the ability of someone to make something up. And I used to feel really jealous of writers. I used to feel like oh they must be so good at lying and that was actually something that I would notice about in around my life as well. I could never lie as a kid. I thought lying meant you had to be creative with something that is an effect but you have to make it sound like a fact and i just couldn't get myself to do it i thought maybe it was like a flaw i thought that everyone around me is able to lie and and you know just these are kids you know when you're 10 12 13 years old you're hitting puberty you're you're going through things and you're exaggerating you're talking about things that never happened you're showing off and I would just be the quiet kid. I wouldn't even show off much of the reality. I wouldn't even share the facts as much. Because I just... a Part of me thought that you... When you tell people something, you're always telling a story, right? I didn't know that back then, but, but that was the word for it but every every memory you recount let's say you know you're you're in the playground uh after school and you're with your usual friends group and you're you're 13 years old you're going to talk about what happened to you that morning or yesterday and you're always going to be recounting the past you're never going to be talking about something that is happening at the moment because this is what's happening at the moment you're with your friends and I always knew that there was this part of me that was like, these people are not telling the exact story. They're not telling exactly what happened. They are changing the facts of the story to fit this thing they want to say. And a lot of time with young kids, you're probably just boasting or bragging about something that, oh, you know, you you're, you're, you make yourself braver than you were. If something crazy was happening, you make yourself nicer or wiser and I was just I wouldn't have much to contribute. I was always an observer and not a not a sharer, not a not a storyteller not back then. Because I associated storytelling with lying. And not in a bad way. I don't I don't mean lying like a, it was a bad thing. It was like imagine that you're sitting in a group of friends And one person just gets up and says, or he doesn't get up, but just speaks out that, uh, I have a joke, guys. I want to tell you guys a joke. You guys want to hear a joke? And when someone says that sentence in a group, you guys want to hear a joke? Everyone else is giving that person their full attention and when i was when i was young i was naive enough to think that when a friend of mine is going to tell me a joke he made it up this person is telling me a joke that was made up by this person and this is before you know social media and whatsapp and facebook and memes and instagram this is when you're a kid and every time someone is telling you a story you either assume it's true, at least I did. And when they're telling you a joke, you assume they made it up. And because I was never that kid, I was never the kid who said, let me tell you guys a joke. I just assumed that I was not going to be a good storyteller ever. I'm not going to be a joke teller. I'm not going to be the person who's going to say things like that, who's going to be the person who everyone is looking at as that person tells a story that has everyone's attention. Now, of course, I'm speaking to you as a 29-year-old who has spent at least the last 10 years making stuff up. So how did I get here? How did someone who couldn't lie start making things up? And become a storyteller. I just realized we're seven minutes in. And I haven't even introduced the podcast. I've told you who I am. I've started assuming that. If you're listening to my. Solo episodes. Where I talk about storytelling. That you know. You follow the show already. But this is Story Talking with Laksh. Episode 82 I believe. Or season 2 episode 14. I need to start. Using just one. But. Coming back to what I was talking about. Back to the Future. That movie I was talking about. I was actually watching the whole series recently. The And the Actual Order Part 1, Part 2, Part 3. And I noticed something that I knew I noticed as a kid too. But it only became clearer to me now. The writers of that movie... Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gill, They didn't set out to tell a lie. I mean, stories are lies. Yes, they are. Like if you look at the fact, when you see someone up on a screen or on a stage, not being themselves, they that ipso facto they are lying. Michael J. Fox, the character, the actor who plays Marty McFly in uh, Back to the Future is lying to us by saying his name is Marty McFly. I mean, he was in his 20s when he played a 17-year-old. But I noticed that the movie that I was so intimidated by from a storytelling perspective as a kid, I still am intimidated by because I do think it's, it's, a, it's a perfect movie. The people who made that movie, they did not set out to tell a lie or make something up from scratch. They just wanted to answer a question. What if a 17-year-old found a time machine and then went back in time to when his parents were 17 years old and accidentally let them never Falling in love. And now, because he may not exist in the future anymore, he has to get them back together. That doesn't sound like the beginning of a lie. That doesn't sound like the beginning of a joke. That just sounds like the question that needs a story to answer it. When I started writing, my first introduction to writing was plays took a class uh, in my first year of college called Theater and Film. If you've been listening to this show, then I probably mentioned it many, many episodes ago. But for me, the first time I read a play, that's, that's how that class was. You read the play, and then you watch the movie that the play that the movie was based on that play. For example, we read the play Closer, And then we watched the movie closer with Julia Roberts and Jude Law and Natalie Portman and someone else. Chris Owen, right? I think so. Clive Owen, yeah. So, coming back to the point. When I read that play, I did not see a lie or a made-up story. I saw a story about human communication and connection. I saw the curiosity of the storyteller, the writer, to answer a question that he or she had. So eventually, when I started writing, I was still intimidated by writers I admired, storytellers I admired. I knew I couldn't do Lord of the Rings. I can't even make up a name. I'm so bad. I I can't even make up a name. That's how bad I am. And I think one of the key ingredients of being a fantasy writer is being able to make up names that would exist in fantasy like Daenerys Targaryen or Boromir of Minas Tirith. All of that is, is alien to me. But I know that I could write two people talking Because that was my introduction to, that was my gateway drug, storytelling. And I noticed as the more I wrote, the more I saw stories about things I felt. That idea of not being able to lie. I saw that I had characters, every single character I've ever written also has the same issue with lying that I do. They're either very bad at it or they struggle with it. And it wasn't until this week that I realized that that's kind of the cornerstone or foundation of my storytelling career, I am not able to understand why people lie. I mean, I know they do. I know people lie. And to some extent, I also am able to reverse engineer their lies. And of course, one of the most important aspects of lying is that if you don't get caught, was it a lie? which is something I happily use when I tell fictional stories. If I tell you that this story is between A and B and neither of them are lux, and you believe the story, then I just get away with lying about how that story is about me and what I feel. To me, the idea of a storyteller who can't lie is pretty much about wanting to understand the truth behind lies. I've tried my best, and that's pretty much where all my stories come from, is that curiosity for why someone would lie. Why would you choose to say something when you mean something else? Why would you choose to lie about something about yourself, about your past, to impress someone, to make someone like you, to make someone fall in love with you. And what I've realized through my writing is that very few people and very few characters, for instance, when you're writing them, set out to lie. Lying is what happens when you know that you have a goal and the path to that goal, to achieving that goal, may not reveal itself if you tell the truth. And what is the opposite of truth? Something that isn't true, something that is a lie. And when someone chooses the other path because the first one is not clear enough they opt in to lie. And once you start lying that becomes the path. Now the difference, I would say imagine that you're laying out a train track. You know that you have to get This is a hundred years ago. You know you have to get from point A to point B. Uh, You have to get from Delhi to Jaipur. And it's foggy. You can't see if there's already a train track taking you from Delhi to Jaipur, which would be the fact, which would be the truth, the reality. So without really being able to know if there is a way to get to or you start laying out your own train track. You start making things up. But you also know that the only way to make train tracks is to keep laying out the track. You can't stop. You can't stop halfway. And that's how a lie keeps getting built upon a lie. I like to think of characters as at least the ones that I write. People with great intentions, really good intentions. Who just sometimes had to lie. Who just sometimes had to lay out the train track. Because the train's coming. And you know where you have to go. Anyway, that's what's been on my mind this week. Um, I did tell you last week that I'll give you a little taste of what uh, I've been working on. So I spent about five, six days in Mumbai or Bombay uh, last week. And I went there to find some collaborators and work on the Play Me Life uh, podcast, which I've mentioned to you before. And we made some good progress and um, one of the interesting things that has been happening with uh, with that show, and even a couple other shows that I'll uh, I'll mention soon, I am giddy with excitement for the creative process. We actually did a, a table read for a test version. of the story, the first script that I wrote for Play Me Life. And it wasn't until the table read was over that I actually heard real people voice the characters that I had written. And a very simple thing that I learned after the table read was I wrote a 30-page script, and I assumed it would take 30 minutes to, you know, perform but because the actors were so good and they got the nuances right, they got the banter, the that aspect of the story like they nailed it. The story only took 22 minutes uh, of actual recording time. So that really affected how I wrote the next script. And I did complete that. I did. I'm um, right now I did a little bit of work on it when I was in Mumbai but And right now, halfway through the third script, which is, if you've read my stories, I can tell you which one I'm working on. It's called Dismantle with Care. And I'm changing things up quite a bit. Uh, The core of the story is the same. Most of the dialogue will be very, very similar to the original story. But one of the things that I'm changing, I'm making sure that my characters are fully Indian. And Dismantled with Care, I never really mention what they are, where they are. I I mention where they are, but I never mention where they're from. But in Dismantled with Care, I'm making it very clear that this is uh, an Indian couple. And the trick has been uh, if you've read the story, you know that. I mean, you don't have to read the story for me to share this information, it won't be a spoiler the story takes place in two different timelines. The same two people, two different timelines. Uh, in one scenario, you start the, I start the story with uh, the two characters who in the original story just call M and W, man and woman, in case you didn't know what the M and W stood for. Uh, they're in their late 40s, and they're at their kid's graduation. And... The story then, parallelly, uh, shifts to when they were graduating from their from the same college. Now, the story original story took place at UC San Diego because that's my campus and I know the layout well. That's why I was able to visualize the story better. And for me, it's very important. That's why a lot of my stories have specific locations mentioned, and they're always locations I've been to because it's easier. I I like. Visualizing the characters sitting on a table talking. I like to imagine the noise around them, you know, all of that. But in the Indian version of the audio play, I know that I'm going to get Indian voice actors to play the role. And it didn't make sense to send them to the US and when they're in their own, when they're 22. Why are both of them at this university? I would have to give a lot of backstory that they met there. And in order to make this story feel more relatable to the audience that I'm making it for, which is primarily India, I've set the at least the first, the past version of the story where they're writing the are just 21, 22 years old in India, in Mumbai. That's because that's where I was writing. And the future... Right now, I've still set it at UC San Diego because that's where their kids went. One aspect that I'm struggling with, I'm not really sure how to pull off, which is why I haven't gotten back to writing the story because I'm still figuring it out. In Dismantle with Care, the original story, Disneyland plays a huge... Disneyland is a location in time for the two characters. They talk about it in the second half of the story both the younger versions and the older versions. And I know that once I set the story in, at least half the story in India, I can't talk about Disneyland. So one aspect has been to find an equal comparable. And I thought about, if you're Indian, then you know Mumbai, then you know there's a place called Essel Worlds. So I thought about working with that and then in the future they can still go to Disneyland because it's the Indian American counterpart. So I'm not really sure about that. I might change it to uh, not involve an amusement park at all and replace it with a city uh, where they used to take vacations as kids as when they were younger, I mean, and with their kids. and Now their kids have grown up in the future version of the story mm-hmm. And I am i don't know. So that's where I'm kind of stuck to give you an update on that. The goal is to write six scripts for Play Me Life. And uh, I'm hoping to... It looks like that the first script that we're going to perform and put together and create a first episode, it looks like that's going to be the One More Night with Isabel script. But I might be changing the name. I even though I don't want to change the name, uh, I've some very intuitive people, uh people that I've uh, collaborated with and they've suggested that I should change the name, so I might change the name. It's going to be tough because I don't I don't like for me changing the name is changing the person. So, I'm a little too attached to the name, but yeah, that's going to happen. Besides that, uh I do Actually, I can share this. I like, I, I kind of like this podcast being my sounding board for ideas because you're listening to it and you can talk back at me, but I can't hear you. Uh, but I am starting pretty much the conceptual stage for one new podcast. And this week I'll be actually on another podcast which all I can tell you right now is that it's it's going to be about poetry. Uh, I will be meeting with a couple poets. Okay, I'm just revealing more information. Uh, this week, to set up a pilot. Uh, and a pilot is basically the first episode as an attempt, as a test, to see what the show will sound like. So, got that going. I'm very excited about that. Uh... I'll know if if it works out well then I'm I'm hoping to get that off the ground very quickly and uh possibly start releasing episodes as early as sometime in May or or June that's happening the show that I mentioned earlier that I'm at the concept stage I will be able to talk about how I'll be working on that and producing that As soon as I get out of the concept stage, I just have to figure out a few things. And all these shows require collaborators, uh, storytellers who are not me, because I I do want to feature good content. And if you only, if I only create content that I create, uh, you at my audience is going to get, you know, you may like me, but you may, you may like me less if that's all I do. And I do want to feature new voices. That's why the poetry one is really exciting. I want to end on something very interesting that happened just, actually just happened uh, an hour ago. There is this new app that I found that is a, a podcast app called Himalaya. Himalaya, like the mountain range. And I, and I spoke to one of the people involved in the Himalaya team just, just right before I recorded this. And we started talking about, not just the podcast industry from a creator point of view, but also from a consumer point of view and i'm 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 telling you now i I have a feeling this app is gonna be coming to india in a in a in a in a in a good way so I'm very excited uh this show story talking with Lux, is already on their app. You can go follow it there. I would love it if you did. You don't have to subscribe to whatever app you already use to listen to this. You can keep listening there. Apple, Spotify, Launchora app, wherever you are. But I would suggest uh, check out Himalaya because uh, I have a good feeling about that app. I like the interface and I like I like what they're doing and I like their vision. So, that's... Yeah, just wanted to mention that. I do want to end on a note that circles back to where we started I don't think lying is primarily bad I think there's actually a movie called Invention of the Invention of Lying that Ricky Gervais wrote and directed and acted in and I absolutely loved it uh if you've never seen that movie I recommend doing it it's on it's on Netflix I believe I think if we couldn't lie where there would be no creativity. There would be no expression. I think, of course, a nicer way to say lying is to say we couldn't create something that didn't exist. But I think it is our ability to imagine something that didn't exist before that makes us who we are, that makes us good storytellers. So perhaps this episode and my journey as a storyteller and your journey as a storyteller isn't about you being a storyteller who can't lie. I can't lie. Everyone around me knows that that I am really bad at lying. But you know what I'm okay at? imagining There was a time in my life and I'm not going to lie <laughs> I'm still I still suffer from this affliction I get anxious about the future I think a lot about all the possible things that could happen I think a lot about every single scenario that can happen and I used to think that was a problem, I still sometimes find it to be a very tough problem to work around, but it wasn't until I found writing that I saw the advantage of what I could do. I basically spent the age from, I believe, 9, 8 to 18 Worrying about everything that could happen. And I don't mean the future like five years from now. I mean, what should I say next, that future? Like, what should I? Someone's talking to me. I don't know what I want. I don't know if I want them to like me. I don't know if, if, I, want, if I want to be me. What is me? All of this. I just worry about what should I say. That's the correct, right, or appropriate thing to say next. Conversations in real life are not easy for me. Which is why I write them down. Which is why I I guess control what happens in my stories because it it's my way of easing what I feel in real life. Which is not knowing what to say, which is not knowing what the other person's going to say. And if you don't know what to say, and you don't know what they're going to say, You just imagine everything you could say and then you imagine everything that they could say. And it's just, it's, it's, as you can imagine, it can be, it sounds as bad as it is. But when I started writing, when I started focusing on creating stories, I realized that I may not be able to write a joke, may not be able to lie to another human being without feeling this really horrible thing inside. But what I can do is use this ability I have, which I'm sure many people do as well. I can use that to imagine something that didn't exist already. And if I can use that imagination to talk about things that I think are important to talk about, then perhaps I've done something valuable with my time on this planet. This is why I believe in storytelling. This is why I believe in figuring out not just who you are, but what you're what your abilities are. They could be strengths, they could be flaws, that's a perspective. But everything you do, everything you are unable to control about yourself, that's an ability. It's just like, in a way, it's like the X-Men. Everyone in the X-Men stories, especially all the kids that they show in the X-Men stories, who go to um, school you know, Professor X's school for gifted children. They struggle with this thing that they can't control, but they know they have. And what does Professor X do? He shows them that this is an ability that you can use to help other people. So I guess that's what, that's what I think I do as a storyteller. And I hope it's something that you connect with when you tell your stories. Thank you for listening to this episode. I will see you next week. Oh, wait. I hope you didn't press pause yet. I do want to tell you, I don't know if you've noticed a difference this week, but I don't know if you also follow my other show, Jepper Bytes, but there is a slight difference, I hope so, when you listen to me, because I bought a new microphone and I am so happy with it. I'm hoping I will. Maybe I should post a picture to show you what the setup is right now. My setup is not great because I'm at I'm at the launcher office on a Sunday. I'm sorry about this episode being a delayed. By the way, I don't know why I whispered. It's the same thing to you because there's no one else here. Also, and the I'm sitting in the conference room and there's just a bunch of stuff everywhere so but i i will send I will post a picture about this on on instagram uh from my profile launcher's profile. I don't know yet, but I hope you like the way this sounds because i'll be I've been using it for the intros and the recordings for the last uh couple episodes of Bytes, and this is the first episode where I get to use it for story talking and I am absolutely loving it. I couldn't wait to try it I actually I drove from home to the office on a Sunday today because there was construction happening near my house. And this mic is so good. It was catching the construction, like every single sledgehammer and hammer in the house next door. So uh, if you want to know what mic it is, I'll mention it in the post, but it's, it's it's called the Blue Yeti microphone. And I got a color that's the same color as my laptop, space gray. I love it, and if you're still listening to this, then I guess I love you too. Thank you for listening. I will now end this, and I'll see you next week.